Ion 2020 episode 340. Somebody's the president of the United States. The authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. Well, 2020 is officially cracking up to all that we expected it to be, which is absolute chaos, left and right, from the beginning till the end. Well, three months in until the end. So we're sitting there looking at an election right now that is just kind of in shambles. I'm thinking like Banana Republic type style going on right now. It is really just chaotic what's going on. You have people that are trying to raid these election, these uh, ballot counting sites in Pennsylvania. You have lawsuits going left and right. You have them trying to stop ballots, trying to get them to count more ballots. And let's be honest, these states are just having a terrible time trying to count these ballots. It's it's amazing. I was almost thinking to myself, they must have found the slowest Bubba from the mountains they could find. And uh, this dude's out there like, all right, we got one for Trump. We got one for Biden. We got two for Trump. Then we got two for Trump again. Oh, wait, three for Trump. You know, like, it's just amazing the just the the fact that they're just going so slow with these ballots and it might be the fact that we're not looking at other races as well because they've already been called but let's be honest Florida has 100% of the ballots in and counted the same night of the election you have many 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 other states that have 100% of the ballots in already and we're sitting there staring at Georgia we're looking at Alaska we're looking at uh Pennsylvania Nevada North Carolina these states cannot get it right with their ballots i mean i've been listening to news conference after news conference for the last you know 2 days and Georgia's governor got up there 2 days yesterday i mean and he's saying, we are going to have this thing over with. We're going to have all the ballots counted. And now they're talking about not having all the ballots counted until next week. And that just proves to me that they went out and found the biggest hillbilly that they could possibly find from the furthest point in the most deep mountain wilderness they could possibly find to count these damn ballots. And they must have one person counting the ballots. You cannot tell me that Florida got 15 million ballots done in one day, in one evening, and you're sitting there looking at Georgia, who's had 60,000, 70,000 ballots trying to be counted all day today. 
And, I mean, let's be honest, like, Nevada just called it last night. They're like, oh, we're not going to do any more drops until till tomorrow. And they're still, they went from 83% of the ballots counted last night to 86% counted today as I'm recording this thing. So, anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me. Welcome to Eye on 2020. We are fulfilling our goal in this show, which is to bring you guys the news and events of 2020 along with election news, election chaos that's going on. And I just want to give you guys a quick update on the election. I was holding off all day. Usually I drop the show early in the morning on Thursday, but I just wanted to wait a little bit longer today just so I can get the information out and get some, uh, get some more accurate information on these polls because I was thinking to myself, you would have some sort of general winner by now, but you don't. You got North Carolina still counting their ballots, which it's leaning Trump. Like they're saying on the news that it is is clearly leaning Trump and the senatorial race there is clearly leaning towards uh, the Republican as well. But... And they're they're like ninety to ninety thousand uh, total difference between Trump and Biden, and they're pretty much done counting, is my understanding. In North Carolina, uh, if you look at Real Clear Politics, for some reason they have a hundred percent in, but I'm not sure that they're correct in that. But they are saying that it's most likely going to go towards Donald Trump in North Carolina. There's not a lot to contest there, so we'll see what happens with North Carolina, but. The biggest kind of controversy today, so as of yesterday, sorry, let me stop there and say as of yesterday when I recorded, Michigan and Wisconsin were not called for Trump, but not, or not called for Biden, but now they are officially called for Biden. And that's because those were two states that did not start counting ballots that were absentee ballots until after the after the polls closed, whereas a lot of states were able to count the absentee ballots before the polls closed. So it looked like in Florida, for example, they were going to have Biden in a pretty big lead in the beginning, but then Trump started, started to make up ground. Well, in Michigan, Trump was in the lead big time in the beginning, but then Biden starts making up ground because they weren't counting ballots, the absentee ballots until later. <clears throat> so... Michigan and Wisconsin both called for Donald Trump, but then immediately Donald Trump starts, or not Donald Trump, but uh, people start saying, oh, there's things that are going on in Michigan that were wrong. One of the things that somebody said is they were a witness, per se, that said that somebody walked in with ballots after 7 o'clock and turned those in and started counting those as well. And these were, and there was, and they were saying that these were ballots that were cast after seven o'clock, which was a cutoff time. Now it's his words against whoever's. They Trump administrator, Trump's lawyers went and filed a suit to stop those ballots from being counted, and the judge kind of threw it out and said, "There's no real evidence there." And for a Trump supporter, I mean, I'm listening to these people talk on the news, and I'm listening to different Trump supporters that they're interviewing. And all it really takes is for Donald Trump or somebody on his team to say it. And these people believe it wholeheartedly, 100%, as if it happened. Whereas a judge is typically supposed to look at things from an unbiased perspective. Now, I am not naive to think that judges are not 
bias. I am sure there's Democrat judges. I'm sure there's Republican judges. So that's hard to tell. But there's there's a lot of stuff that they're saying is wrong. Like I heard, or my wife had sent me something that showed like some dude you know, burning ballots or something like that. I got to do what I got to do. And he shows that there's Trump ballots and he puts some butane on them and starts burning them. And I was just like, that is not real. Like I looked at that and I'm, that's not real. Like they match up ballots. The ballots get, the, the ballots are sent in or put into the system and they're counted as if, Hey, this ballot is received and then they move forward, and all this stuff is audited. Like, there's not a lot of room for election day fraud. It's completely decentralized. You have different areas that are all in charge of collecting those ballots, and they go through the whole process to legitimize this entire process. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of election fraud, especially, like, for Wisconsin, for example, Donald Trump's down by 20,000 votes. And Hillary Clinton back in 2016 said she demand, she wanted a recount and they ended up finding like 123 votes total. And it went Donald Trump's way. But 123 votes. Usually if you do a recount, usually if you do certain things, you might find up or find a few extra votes here and a few extra votes there, but you're not going to find 20,000 votes in Wisconsin. Like, give that up. Most likely, Wisconsin is did it completely legitimate, and you might find a few here and a few there, but you're not going to find 20,000. But they're going to amp up this idea of election fraud in Wisconsin. But there was no election fraud in Florida, Iowa wherever else. It's just Wisconsin because it's a disputed state. The voters of Wisconsin did not know that this was going to be a disputed state. Just like the voters in Florida didn't know that it was going to be over the top for Donald Trump. So most likely they were saying that Wisconsin was going to go 7% towards Biden. So if anybody was going to try to fake it out, anyone was going to try to do anything illegal or whatever and have some sort of voter fraud, then you would probably have the Republicans doing it in that sense. Because they, I'm sure Biden's people felt pretty secure going into election day that Wisconsin was going to be a Biden state. All the polls said so. But you know what? Everyone was very, very certain that Biden was going to win and win hands down and win handedly, which he hasn't. This has actually been good for the Republicans that the that so many people came out and voted for Donald Trump. That's going to be good for the Republicans. It actually is insane that they're able to use these little things against Donald Trump, like, oh, he's a racist and he voted for him. He's a, you're a racist. Because if you look at it, I haven't seen the official numbers, but they say upwards of 17% of black males voted for Donald Trump. 17% of the ones that voted, voted for Donald Trump. Trump got like 33% of the Hispanic vote. And in some cities, in some areas, especially down in South Florida, he got over 50% of the Hispanic vote. And then you hear people on news media, on MSNBC or CNN, saying, oh, well, this was Cuban people. These are white Cuban people. These are white Cuban people because they voted for Donald Trump. 
Is that amazing that someone would say something like that? That's like the thing that they say is, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you're not black. Telling that to black black men. If you don't vote for Democrats, you're not black. You're an Uncle Tom. You're a white. You're you're just you're somebody who's trying to be white. We'll tell that to seventeen percent of black men. That's I mean, it's just it's good for Donald Trump what happened, but I don't see it going Donald Trump's way. I'm sitting there looking at the numbers. He would have to win the way that it's set up right now is there's a little bit of dispute whether Donald Trump is going to win Arizona or not. AP and Fox News both called Arizona for uh, Biden already. Now, the Trump administration says that there's other votes that are going to be coming in. I think there's about 60,000 votes that were coming in, and over 40,000 of them have already come in, maybe even less than that, I'm not sure. But I think like 13,000 came in for Trump. So he's only like 13, maybe 14,000 away from winning in Arizona right now. But I think it's actually a few more than that. But there's 86% of the votes in so far. And supposedly what Trump is saying is that, or what his team is saying is that it's going to end up going for him because there's a lot of votes out there and they're supposed to be Trump cities and so forth. But we'll see. I'm pretty sure that even if, Arizona goes for Trump, even if Arizona ends up going for Trump, you still have to win, you still have to win Pennsylvania and Georgia, and Georgia's looking more and more like it might go for Biden as well. So let's get into Georgia. They're saying in Georgia that the counts are going just fine, but a lot of those cities, that are, a lot of those votes are from the Atlanta area as well as from the Savannah area that have not been counted yet. Now, what's going on with this count? That's what I'm wondering. You're sitting there like, why can't Georgia get it right? Why is Georgia still not counted all the way? And they are going so slow. But they're trying to be accurate is what I hear. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Right now it's 49.3% for Biden and 49.5% for Trump. So it's actually going closer towards Biden's way right now anyway. So that's an interesting little poll result as well. It's just, it's really going to come down to, oh wow, I'm looking at the numbers. There's 13,000 votes between Donald Trump and Joe Biden in Georgia. So Georgia might end up going for Biden, especially if it is the Atlanta area and the Savannah area that are still being counted. That's going to be an interesting thing, but they haven't called it yet. Pennsylvania is a is a absolute crazy mess right now as well. Donald Trump is winning 50.2 to 48.7, but Pennsylvania is the state where they allowed people to submit ballots as long as they're postmarked on the 3rd on election night by 8 p.m., and they're going to accept those ballots through Friday. And... The Trump administration is trying to get them to not count those votes because they came in after the third. I think that the state law is that they can, as long as they're postmarked, and that's the legislator that did that. And I actually had someone send me that, send me that information before. The legislator, as long as they make a rule, it's not going to be overturned by a judge because state legislators are allowed to choose how they conduct their voting how they conduct their elections. So 
that'll be interesting to see. Donald Trump wants to take to the Supreme Court. Um, Pennsylvania is an absolute crazy mess also because supposedly, and then I think I heard um, Donald Trump Jr. talking about it this morning, he was doing like a press conference and he said that they're not allowing their people to get in front of and, and or letting the Republican people get in there and observe the vote, vote counts. They're keeping them 40 feet away and they think that they should be able to observe from at six feet away. Uh, some people got a court order to allow people in and they're, and they're supposedly they're not allowing those people in anyway, even though there's a court order to allow them to be six feet away. And it's, um, uh, these people are like talking about raiding the raiding the facilities. Like you see some protests going on outside. That that is a mess. Pennsylvania is a mess, and they probably should have kept the rules as they have to be there by the third. Originally, that's what they should have done, but they didn't. They changed the laws, or maybe the laws were already written like that. I'm not sure to allow them to come in as long as they're post dated from election day. So uh, Pennsylvania is going to be interesting. Joe Biden does not need Pennsylvania to win, though. Literally, all he needs is Arizona and Nevada or Georgia. One of those ones, and that's it. So uh, it's looking like we're going to have Joe Biden as the president. How is Trump going to bow out of this thing, though? He needs to have room to allow himself to bow out. That's the key. Like, when somebody loses, when somebody is a loser, you have to let them leave with ease and Trump's going to be one of those that'll fight it. He'll fight it and fight it. Um, are they going to have, are they going to have like some big, big old controversy where they have to pull him out of the, out of the white house, uh, with, you know, by arresting the guy, that'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know what the future holds to be honest with you. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to look into this and see what, what the future is going to hold, but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting situation going forward, guys. I'll keep you posted here, though. I really will. Um, the only th- the only thing that I want out of this is a split government where the Senate is at least going to be in the hands of the Republicans and Congress is in the, the House is in the hands of the Democrats. That's fine. As long as it's split, I think that's good because it actually gives a little bit of certainty. And Wall Street is actually taking off pretty strong right now with uh, the stock market because they do like the fact that there's going to be divided government. And there already was divided government anyway, but even more so now because it actually allows... I think what happened was that the, the markets kind of knew that Joe Biden was going to win and the fear was that they that Joe Biden was going to win along with having the Senate and as long as Joe Biden does not have control of the Senate through the Democratic Party the Democrat Party then there was a little bit of worry that if that was the case then he would get a lot of the transformational change and they they the what the stock market does the people that are investing in it or whatever, but the stock market, they call it, realizes that um, if there was transformational change and there's a little bit of uncertainty in the future, so they price that in and it causes the price to go down. But since there's going to be uncertainty, or excuse me, that since there's going to be divided government and little bit, a little, very little is going to get done, they price that back in and say, okay, so the certainty is 
that not much is going to get done. And they like that. So it causes stocks to go up. That's why you've seen, been seeing the stock, stock market go up so much lately. So uh, that's an interesting little side note. Uh, the other last thing I want to talk about, and I'll get into it really briefly, is there was a couple of good wins for the liberty, liberty movement. And that is the fact that a lot of states, and it seems like every state that ever votes on this thing ends up voting for uh, you know positively towards it and that is to uh for legalization of marijuana either on the medical level or on the recreational level south dakota a very conservative state even just legalized marijuana for recreational use so you had a lot of states that did that you had a couple of states and or it was a uh, the state of oregon and the uh, state of, or the uh, Washington, D.C., ended up voting and said that you can use magic mushrooms recreationally. Or psychocybling, I think is what that's called. So, that's an interesting little win for the war on drugs. Because these states are literally telling the federal government, screw you, we're going to legalize it anyway. They are nullifying the federal government's laws, which is phenomenal because they should take a stand against those things. They absolutely should. So more states need to start getting those little things on the ballot to make recreational marijuana legal because then you're not going to sit there and have people going to jail for it. You're not going to have cops searching people's cars for it. Things like that. That's phenomenal for the libertarian movement. That's phenomenal phenomenal for just personal liberty, liberty in general. So that's a good thing. One of the bad things that I've been talking to people about, and now I was on I was on Facebook and like the local news channel said Florida just passed a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Should we do that here in South Carolina? And I've been conversing with people regularly on this particular issue, and a fifteen dollar minimum wage sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It sounds wonderful, but people don't understand that there are unintended consequences of every single act that happens. Anytime a law is passed, if you passed a law that gave, that just said all businesses have to pay $15 minimum wage to their employees, even if you do it over a short period of time or a long period of time where you phase it in or whatever, however you do it, it comes down to two things, and that's this. And I've been trying to get this through to people, and they just don't understand. There is a minimum wage, no matter what the federal government does, there is a minimum wage called $0 per hour. And that's it. And the more you say to people, hey, we're going to force all these businesses to pay $15 an hour, the less likely those businesses are to hire. If you increase the cost of something, you're going to get less of it. If you in- increase the cost of hiring people, you're going to get less of it. Just like if you increase the minimum cost of a burger to $10 per hour, or $10. So if the government came in and says there could be no burgers sold for less than $10, do you think that McDonald's is going to raise the price of their 
kid-sized burger, their regular old hamburger to $10? No, they're going to discontinue that burger. Do you think that Burger King's going to just raise the price of the Whopper to 10 bucks? No. They're probably not going to sell any more Whoppers anymore. People are not going to come in and buy a Whopper for $10. They're not going to buy a McDonald's burger for $10. You're going to have to give a damn good burger for people to go buy burgers. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to have the top dog burger at every place that sells burgers or else people are just going to buy chicken sandwiches for $5. It's just the way it is, guys. So if you put a ceiling on something, if you say, or if you put a floor on that and the floor is $15 per hour, then you're going to have the people that make $15 per hour for the company that are going to keep their jobs. The business might even say, all right, $15 an hour, we're going to figure out how to use less employees or cut their hours. That is what happens in this situation. So for example, in Seattle, they added the $15 minimum wage. And on average, people made $79 per month less after the $15 minimum wage went into effect than before the $15 million or $15 an hour minimum wage. And the reason why is because businesses cut people's hours. They said, all right, so you were working 40 hours per week for $10 an hour and you were making $400 per week. Now, we're going to have you work 30 hours per week at $15 an hour, so you still make around the same amount of money. And they're going to ask more out of you during that 30 hours. Or they're going to have you come in instead of coming in at 9 o'clock and leaving at 5, they're going to have you come in at 10 and leave at 3. And the salaried employees are going to have a little bit more placed on their shoulders than on the than on the hourly employees. And then they're going to put in tons and tons of those those self-checkouts. You walk into McDonald's now, and what do you see? You, you have two people running the cashier, cashier's area where you can go in there and pay. No, you won't have that anymore. You're going to walk up to those touch screens. They have them in most McDonald's that you go into anyway. What are they going to do? So imagine you pull up to the drive through window. Typically, you're talking to somebody that's at that restaurant, right? They might say, you know what? What we're going to do is have a, a call center where it goes to the call center and they place the order and it gets directly transferred over to the McDonald's. So they could have one person running the drive through for four locations, especially during the slower times. Like, there's lots of options that they can use to cut back on labor. And they'll find the most, that they'll find any way they can possibly do it because it's a cost of doing business. And businesses are about reducing costs and giving better service. And that's it. So if it's not about service, it comes down to cost. And think about this. I remember... Back in 2006, maybe 2005, they raised the minimum wage. I don't know if it was just Florida or whatever. They, they, had, they had did a phase-in of like a dollar an hour or something like that over the course of a couple of years. Or it might have been a dollar fifty an hour. I can't remember. But it might have been from five fifty to like seven fifty. So maybe it was $2 an hour. 
And I remember thinking to myself, this is not going to be good for employment. This was like 2006. And sure as hell, the the, the um, 2008 crisis kind of came and, and went. And no one would have blamed the $2 an hour minimum wage going up nationwide up to uh, up to that. Obviously, there was other things that came into account. But I remember thinking to myself, this is going to hurt you know, employment opportunities for people. And I don't know if you guys were looking at things back then, but one of the things that changed in the restaurant market at the time was the advent of fast, casual restaurants. So take, for example, Moe's or Chipotle or Panera Bread. There's a lot, I mean, Five Guys Burgers and Fries. Like, these are places where you're going to get a little bit better food than McDonald's, but not quite as good of food as if you went to a sit-down restaurant. But sit-down restaurants are very expensive to run. If you go to a Chili's, if you go to a TGI Friday's or wherever, those companies have a hard time staying in business. Even at that time, Bennigan's went on a business, which was one of the one. it was a nationwide chain. There was a lot of Roadhouse Grill went out of business. There was a lot of different restaurants that went out of business at that time because they had to pay their dishwasher $2 more an hour or whatever. Like, I don't know if that was the exact reason why, but it made them less competitive. So you changed the way that the market was. But there was a rise in the fast casual restaurant at the time where you could run an entire restaurant with like a cook staff and a manager and a cashier and that was it. And you're getting a little bit better quality food than you would at a fast food restaurant, but not quite as good of quality food as you would at a sit-down restaurant. And it filled that void to say, hey, you know what? It's very profitable at this amount per hour paying your employees to do this rather than have that old model of the sit-down restaurant. Now, the sit-down restaurants have figured out how to stay in business, even like the mom and pops did, but a lot of those people are struggling as well to stay in business. And a lot of them probably went out of business. I don't know the exact statistics, but when you raise the cost of labor, you're going to have a harder time hiring labor, or you're going to figure out new ways to minimize that labor. And that's, that's just what they do. I mean, it happened in Seattle. There's study after study after study that shows that these people did not make more money. They just worked less. So if they wanted to make more money, they could just go out and get a new job. But how does that affect the business owner? And this is the key to the $15 or just a minimum wage in general, right? Is it does not help the small business owner either. It helps actually the corporations because the corporations have the capital to sit it out and wait and just pay their people $15 an hour while their competitors go out of business, while their smaller competitors go to business, while Kmart goes out of business while these other businesses that are competing against them go to business. And then they just wait it out. And then when that happens, you have a less competitive market so you can raise your prices a little bit at that point because competition drives prices down. So the mom and pop shops, a few of them go to business. Maybe the construction company that only has, you know, 10 employees can goes out of business. Maybe the HVAC company that has 15 employees, they go to business they, or they hire less people to help out with the actual, you know, the HVAC technician. They have one or two less people helping those guys out that are training to be HVAC technicians because they can't afford to pay them $15 an hour. 
And then the bigger companies end up benefiting from that. They have the capital to write it out. And then when those that capital, when when their competitors go out of business, all of a sudden they're a little bit more, com, or there's a little bit less competition in the market. They could raise their prices a little bit to compensate. So it benefits the larger corporations, especially like the WalMarts of the world, or the Publix of the world, or the ones that are the bigger businesses of the world, bigger construction companies, bigger restaurant companies, wherever, it benefits them. They can ride it out. So this $15 minimum wage that they pass in Florida, absolutely crazy. It's going to really hurt. I mean, you have people hurting in Florida right now. Huge amounts of people were laid off from Disney World and Universal Studios and all of the hotels that catered all these tourists that come in and all these restaurants that catered all these tourists that come in and you have i think they have the highest unemployment rate in the country right now in florida and the reason why is because there's not the tourism that you have but you have this perfect opportunity now for these businesses to say great we're only going to hire back a two-thirds of the people that we had on before and we're just going to Take out some loans and find some ways to automate stuff or do it with less people because you just raised the cost of my of doing business while we're in the middle of a pandemic. So anyway, guys, I'm not going to keep you much longer than that. That is all I got for you, okay? I appreciate you joining me for another look at this 2020 election cycle. Hopefully we know more by tomorrow. I'm not sure that's the case, but I'm saying Friday we should have a little bit more certainty on who's going to win. I'll let you guys know if I hear that, all right? I appreciate you joining me. Check out IonTheEmpire.com. Check me out on IonTheEmpire through Facebook and on Twitter as well. Keep on following this show. Uh, We're going to keep this thing going indefinitely, okay? I appreciate you once again for listening. Share it with a friend. Give me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. But yeah, share it with a friend. We I noticed the numbers just continue to go up, and I appreciate that. Uh, hopefully, I'm putting out great content for you. Uh, I love to hear suggestions from you as well. So if you want to email me, you can email me, Ray at I'mTheEmpire.com. But the best way to actually communicate with me is through the Facebook uh, page that I have. So check out I'm the Empire through Facebook. And if you wanted to message me, you could do that through that as well. You can also check me out on Twitter and message me that way. I've communicate with people like that before as well. But anyway, I appreciate you joining me and come on back on Monday for Clear Vision for 2020. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life. And I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty.